Thank you for listening to this episode of Pit Stop, which means this episode is about Formula One specifically. If you enjoy this content and want more F1, let us know on Twitter or Instagram at lunchpailguys underscore and subscribe on your favorite podcast channel. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Lunch Pail Guys podcast. For Jared and I, always like to talk some F1. It's been a little bit, but we're back with a lot of hot takes. Uh, Jared, would you like to say hi to everybody? I will say hello to everyone. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Our lovely F1 listeners, you're back. Yes, thank so you for returning. Right yes. Well, as you know, on this show, we have a little bit of a, a little bit of fixation with Carlos Sainz. Uh, we, we call do. him Carlos Corner. We like to talk about him. And this past weekend at Canada, it was not... Not the greatest for him, I don't think, at least in my opinion. So, while many believe that Carlos Sainz is a future race winner, the chorus of doubters has grown louder after he, like the last 10, 12 laps, was right behind Max Verstappen on fresher tires at the end of the Canadian GP and couldn't pass him. So, Jared, do you think Carlos really has the talent to win a race on merit? <sighs> okay, so... I got to go in on this. I've heard a lot of people talk about Carlos's inconsistency this year and that he mm-hmm. can't cope at a top team. First mm-hmm. off, if you were to tell me that five podiums in the first nine races was a bad start and not coping, I would have called you crazy. Five podiums in nine races means he's podium in over half the races. Sure, fine. If that's not good enough for you, fine. There's more. Everyone thinks Leclerc is having a good season right now, right? Besides when mm-hmm. Ferrari lets him down, right? But you may mm-hmm. be surprised to learn that Carlos has been on the podium more times than Charles has with Leclerc only being on the podium four times to Carlos's five. Oh, but Leclerc had some DNFs, you might say. Fine. Mm-hmm. So has Carlos. Carlos has had three DNFs, two of the two of which, in my opinion, were not his fault Fault in Imola when he got hit by Daniel Ricciardo, and then Baku completely not his fault when he had a hydraulic issue. So if you're doing the math at home, Carlos has finished six races, and he's been on the podiums five times. So he's only failed to make the podium in a race that he's finished one time. And you're trying to tell me he's having a bad season and can't cope with the pressure. I do not get that at all. He's been on the, I mean, for crying out loud, he's been on the podium the same amount of times as Checo and nobody's talking to him about it either. And like you take away Carlos's DNFs, there's an argument he should be third place in the championship, which leads into my next point is this is right where Ferrari wants him to be. Like, let's not kid ourselves. This is exactly what Ferrari brought Carlos in to be, the Robin to Leclerc's Batman. So Ferrari brought him in to be a Valtteri Bottas, but last year Carlos kind of messed around, beat Leclerc last year, proved how good of a driver he is, yes. And we thought, okay, maybe he's actually supposed to be a Nico Rosberg in this situation. I know I've been using that analogy a lot, but I like it. Um, and apparently this feat has made the expectations for Carlos just like sky high this year, and he's getting a lot of criticism. I think the good news about him getting all this, this much criticism is that it shows that fans want to root for Carlos, and they want him to get a first win that I, I think many fans believe is a deserved first win for him. And I think he absolutely has the talent to win a race on merit to get to that, uh, to get to that question. Like the only person to score more points than him before their first race win was Checo. But if you remember, the reason Checo got his first race win was because Max crashed out with Leclerc in the Bahrain, in that Bahrain race. I think it was maybe the secure Grand Prix that, that time because it was the 2020 year when they raced there twice. And then Mercedes botched their pit stop. And Lewis wasn't even racing in that race. It was George Russell. And they and they botched their pit stop. So if you want to, you know, use that comparison, that'll give you a little bit of insight. 
and about this race specifically in Canada, and then I'll give it to you, Lucas. Everybody's talking about how Carlos didn't even force Max to defend when Carlos had fresher tires. They were on the same compound, first off. It was like an eight-lap tire difference. That's nothing when a car like Red Bull is just quicker on race pace than Ferrari is. You can't make that up on an eight, on a freaking eight-lap younger tire on the same compound. And like Abu Dhabi from last year is clouding everybody's opinion on how easy it is to overtake a car on fresher tires. Because in that situation, Max was on soft tires. Lewis was on like 40-lap old hards or something like that. And even then, Lewis almost re-overtook Max because the car difference was just so big. Like, you can't, you can't blame that on Carlos that he's on the same compound of tires and in a slower car on race pace. And you just can't blame that on Carlos. I'll stop there, though, for my rant. And I'll let Lucas go in a little bit. I mean, I think you can dodge the question a little bit. Like, yes, you said he had the, the ability to win a race on merit. But I don't think he's shown that yet at this point. I think that, like, you mentioned all the guys. You laid out all those stats in the beginning about Checo about Leclerc, about everybody. But you know what they all have that he doesn't this year? A win. Okay, well, who the doesn't? The There's, those are the only three drivers that have a race win. And Checo's was not on merit, I will argue. Uh, it doesn't matter. He got one still at this point. Okay. And he has gotten race wins on merit. No, I don't, think, I don't not- think any of his... Ha- any, none, of his none of Checo's race wins... Sorry, I'm interrupting you a lot. But none of Checo's no, race wins have been like because he beat Max. It's because of a, a pitch stra- it's because of a pitch strategy in Monaco where nobody can overtake or Max mm-hmm. crashing out in Baku and Max also crashing out in his first race in 2020 mm-hmm. in Bahrain. I mean didn't he outqualify though Max at Monaco? Okay, but it, it's but if you could <laughs> if you could have overtaken at, at Monaco he would have been. I okay, but that's the nature of the race. So he won it on merit. He I don't know. I don't do I'm not going to call that on merit. I'm not going to call that he, on merit. He did what he me. had to do at Monaco to win. That's all I'll say. Okay, I think so that's okay, as so notorious then it, as anything else. Is Gasly's win Gasly's win when in twenty twenty when like he pitted at the right time under a red flag and Lewis got like a ten second penalty? Do, would you consider that on merit or no? I mean, it was a good strategy. Okay, all right, there's merit to then it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Carlos will win a race this season. Absolutely. I don't think he will. I think like we use this phrase a lot. I don't think he has that dog in him. You know? <laughs> I think that you use that phrase a lot. I use that phrase a lot. Wyatt uses that phrase he a does, lot yeah. of our other shows. I just don't like. I just don't think he has the technical skill that like. And we talked about this over text. That there's like a, the class of like Max and Charles and Lewis and George, and that's like one class. And then the next class is like Checo and Lando, and Carlos. And I think in that tier, Checo is the only one to have won a race, and I think it's because he's the best of those three. I disagree. I don't necessarily. You disagree that he's the best of those three? Keep going. Sorry, I'm interrupting way too much. No, you are all good. You underscored like the tires. Eight, eight laps is a pretty substantial difference in a race that's only what seventy laps. It's more than ten percent of the race. No, those tires were going quick in Canada too. I think that it is also worth noting, and I think that he should have at least he didn't force him to defend at all. You think? Tell me this: If you if Charles Leclerc was in that exact same situation, do you think he would have done better? No, I don't. I think the Red Bull is just faster this weekend. It just was. Oh, I totally disagree. No, it was. It just was. I mean, look at the sprint race in Imola, for example, when Leclerc mm-hmm. had the lead that time. Max eventually passed because the Red Bull is a faster race car on race pace. Yeah, I mean, eventually passed. I'm saying 
I think okay, Charles well, that would was like 20 laps. That fight. was almost the same. That was like five more laps than what Carlos had. I think Charles would have at least put up more of a fight than Carlos did this past weekend if you were oh, in the exact same situation. Goodness. I think he would have. And this is somebody who was a Leclerc hater as recently as like a year ago. <laughs> so like, uh, yeah. I think he would have put up more of a fight. I think his race, his technical race ability has really shown off this year. Do I think, all this to say, do I think Carlos will never win a race? No, I think, you know, if he's in a fast car, like, luck happens at this point. <laughs> luck? going to be like, luck? Yeah, I mean, you were saying Czech was only one because of luck at this point. P- pretty much. He's gotten good circumstances. He's not been, he's know, never going to, or I don't know about never, but he has not had a race where he, like, on pole, led from start to finish. Like, that's like a commanding win. Nothing went wrong, you know what I mean? I guess. But he did not qualify Max and Monica and then won. Yeah, that was good. Here's my question. All right, here's my question. For like, this is for a lot of listeners too. Do you think Lando Norris is more talented than Carlos? I don't know. That's a tough question. It is a tough question. But there's a right answer. It's so. I think no. Exactly. Everybody. I think. Go ahead. I think Carlos is more talented than than Lando at this point. Lando, I mean, like. Yeah, I mean, it's tough because Lando's car is worse, but it's not that much worse, you know? Yeah. Especially last season. Yeah. I think Carlos is, like, is better at getting more out of the car than Lando does. Lando seems to make some, like, dumb mistakes sometimes, I feel like. Yeah. In the way that Carlos does it. But. And it's just, okay, everybody, a lot of people that I listen to say that, like, Lando Norris is a future world champion. But, well, Carlos beat him in the same machinery both years. Yeah, exactly. And and sure, he's more experienced, but. Carlos is still getting, in my opinion, still getting better. It's not just because he's in a better car. I think he is getting better. And for me, like talking about the rankings, we like we were texting about that. There's only four, and for my opinion, there's only four drivers on the grid right now that I mm-hmm. that I know have the talent and like the right situation. I guess I could say to win a world championship, which is Max, Lewis, Charles Leclerc, and George Russell. In my opinion, anybody else mm-hmm. outside that, I would there's I think it is impossible for them to win. A world title at this point which i'm including carlos in there that I, I don't think he's gonna win a world title i do think that doesn't mean you're a bad driver though like think about no. um i saw some stat even this weekend that like um oh, i'm gonna butcher it but it was some crazy like vet sebastian vettel michael schumacher and lewis hamilton have won like 30 percent of the races ever won in f1 or something like that mm-hmm. like it just shows yeah. how hard it is to to win a race in f1 and that means you're really talented even to get into F1, but then to win a race in F1 still means you're really talented. So I think that's nothing to knock. Um, no, I, but, I don't think it's anything to knock, but I do think it means that he might just not have the talent level of the other guys to ever reach their level. Maybe, and maybe, yeah, maybe we can agree on that. Maybe he doesn't. Yeah. But for me, after those four, I think Carlos Sainz is the best driver on the grid right now. After those four. And I know like Vettel and Alonso are world champions, but they don't have the right circumstances. They're, they're kind of getting they're older. past their prime too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't. I'm not 100 percent convinced on like if there's a prime in car racing, but yeah, that's true too. But I think Carlos is the best. Even like con- consider Bottas in there too. I think Carlos mm-hmm. is the best of that field. Yeah. He's like 27 too. Like I think that's like of note too. Like he's still mm-hmm. relatively young. Like, like I know like Lando and Max and all of them are younger. He's still pretty young. Yeah, he's still young. Yeah. He's kind of like a in between the the young guys and the old guys a little bit. Yeah. Um, some other stuff though, I do like. Like I said, I can be critical of Carlos. I think he's having a great season, but um, like I always get the hope. I want him to outqualify Charles, and I know he he didn't even last year. He didn't start doing that until towards the end of the season. 
But I mm-hmm. always get the hope that he's going to win pole position. He gets provisional pole in the first run. Mm-hmm. He just needs to figure out, I don't know, how to get those last couple tenths on the very last lap when the, mm-hmm. the track is the most ramped up or whatever. Yeah. I want him to get to that point. I think Le- Leclerc right now is like an all-time qualifier. He's the best qualifier on the, on the grid right now. Yeah, I um, agree But I, I do want to see him. Like, this is the kind of weekend he needed for Carlos. He could he could fight at the front with be, having the lead strategy. Um, and Benotto even said, Mattia Benotto even said, like, Carlos is gaining confidence in the car. I think he's shown he does have really good racecraft against a faster car as well uh, in Miami when, when he was fighting with uh, Checo in that battle in Miami. But he's not, like, I, I will agree, he's not on the same level as Max and Charles in terms of racecraft yet. But I want him. I want to hear him say, like, in these post-race interviews, like, I need to get faster, not, like, the brakes didn't go my way this race. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. have the yeah. mentality of, like, for it. I need to go faster. You know what I mean? And then the brakes mm-hmm. will come your way. It's like luck. Like, look at Checo. It's like luck is when preparation meets opportunity. You know what I mean? So just keep focusing yeah. on that preparation, and the opportunity mm-hmm. will come, I think. No, I agree too. And like I said, I do think he will fall into a race one at some point. Like, but I just don't fall know. into one. Well, you got to put a yeah, qualifier on it. I do, I do. But I, you know, check will crash into Max or something like that. <laughs> That'd be something like that, and Carlos will sprint to the front. That'd be a crazy race. I wouldn't mind that seeing would that. Be. As long as every time. I wouldn't mind seeing that either. But yeah, no, absolutely. But yeah. wait, another question though. Is I was thinking about this: is how does an F one driver even get better other than having natural talent? Because like an NBA player, you can go to the gym, you can go shoot. NFL player, you lift, you do your footwork drills, you catch passes. But an F one driver can't just get into an F one car and drive because the FIA limits that. Because then then your team's getting yeah. more data and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's do I it's like a, they have the simulator, but how do they get better? It's gotta be just the simulator it's and like, experience which too. Is dumb. Like if you kind of dumb. Yeah, I mean, if you, but also it's just like, think about our Mario Kart days. The more you do a track, the better you get to know it. So I think like, that's <laughs> yeah. probably a part of it too. Like you just become familiar with exactly how to drive it. Like Monaco or at Silverstone or Imola or, you know, insert whatever track there. I think that absolutely helps. Yeah. Probably not the last time you'll hear a Mario Kart and F1 comparison there. <laughs> um, yeah. If you got nothing else to say on this, Lucas, do you have anything else? No, I'm good on this one, I think. All right, cool. Here's another hot topic. I have a lot to say about. I hope Lucas does too. The bouncing on this generation's cars have been a talking point all season. First, it was just porpoising. Then it was kind of like bouncing. Generally, George Russell and Mercedes have been very vocal about the effects of this bouncing on driver health. Then the FIA stepped in with a technical directive, limiting essentially limiting the maximum amount of porpoising or bouncing that can happen on a car. Some teams like Red Bull are saying this is akin to a mid-season rule change. And they're obviously angry about that. Lucas, what's your takeaway on this? I think it's sour grapes from Red Bull. Come on. I think this is actually boils down to something fairly simple at this point. And I don't think this is just my anti-Red Bull bias coming through. But I think sometimes rule changes are necessary if it is meant to protect the health of the athletes. And even if that means a slight change in the balance of competition mid-season, I'm fine with that. I don't want George or any other driver to have like these terrible, long-lasting health impacts just because offering a technical directive might slightly change the rules. In mid-season. F1's a dangerous sport. We all know that. And we all recognize that. And if the FIA can take one small step to limit it, I think that they absolutely should. Like, the porpoising and the other bouncing is clearly taking a toll on the driver's bodies. So, again, I'm supportive of the FIA generally issuing a technical directive which would limit this bouncing. And I don't think it's more complex than that. Driver safety should come first before anything else. And especially when there are some older drivers on the grid, like Lewis and Seb and Alonso, 
who could be more negatively impacting this. So yeah, I don't think this is too complicated. I think that, that like driver safety should be the most important. And even if it alters a slight balance of competition midseason, like I'm okay with that. This is a this is a funny situation for me because the anger has been directed the driver's kind of anger if you would if you would say has been directed mm-hmm. at the FIA but it, they really should be mad at their teams. The unexpected yeah. level of bouncing it was is a result of the team mm-hmm. refusing to c- compromise car performance for driver health, which I think exactly. is really funny that like mm-hmm. they should actually be mad at their teams right now. But George Russell being like he's a company man, like you know he's a Mercedes. George Russell is absolutely a company man. He's been yeah. able to direct that blame kind of at the FIA when the blame mm-hmm. should be on their teams because I like George wants to win races. I get that. So he's mm-hmm. saying, all right, if I'm going to force my team to prioritize my health over the car performance, I'm definitely mm-hmm. going to make all the other teams do that too. Yeah. So it's absolutely. smart. I definitely get that. Mm-hmm. And I love. I actually love the way the FIA responded to this because they said they essentially said, okay, fine. You think your cars are unsafe? We agree. Then you can't race it. Make your car safe, mm-hmm. or you can't race. Which I think is really fair, because like so you too. were saying, everybody we want the drivers to be healthy. We don't want them to get into a crash. Apparently, they can't see because the bouncing is so bad. Sometimes we don't want them to get in a crash. Mm-hmm. It's been the team's problem all along, and if your team can't make a car safe enough, then you don't race. Yeah, I, I like. It. I mean, just like even like looking at it like from the like when they have the helmet cam and everything. Like, it's just ridiculous. It's pretty balance. ridiculous, like, yeah. Like, I get sick just watching it on TV for, like, 10 or 15 seconds. I can't imagine, like, doing that for, like, an hour and a half, two hours or so. Just, like, yeah. that balancing over top. So, I support it. And, yeah, like, I think it's, you brought up a good point, too, about, like, this is on the teams. Like, there are teams that develop cars with less porpoising. And, like, while the anger should be directed at your team, specifically in Russell's case with Mercedes, because I feel like theirs has been the worst porpoising of all. Yeah. Um... But yeah, no, I like the idea of like, you know, we're going to lay down the law. We're going to make it safe for everybody. And that's about it. Yeah. And like, like you were saying, some teams haven't struggled with porpoising or bouncing. Red Bull being mm-hmm. the chief example. Yeah, like, so I don't mm-hmm. completely understand why Red Bull's mad about this, honestly, because if they're not struggling with bouncing, this should not affect them. Right. Mm-hmm. And this should honestly negatively affect, I would think negatively affect Mercedes because now they have to compromise car performance in order exactly. to minimize bouncing. So theoretically, this should penalize Mercedes. Mercedes, And I feel like this could be a case of Mercedes got what they asked for, but not what they wanted. You know what I mean? Yeah. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens in Silverstone. That seems like a race where Mercedes always kind of pull out the stops. At least last year, that was the mm-hmm. race where the tide kind of turned, where Mercedes said, mm-hmm. we're, we're in this fight still. It's not a Red Bull going to run away last year. Yeah. So we'll we'll see what happens um, with that. I think Ferrari probably will take a step back though because they've been struggling a lot with bouncing, but still have been able to keep their car fast. Yeah. So theoretically, they're gonna have to compromise car performance, and we'll see what happens with Mercedes too. So I'm curious about I'm, that. I'm very curious. I'm excited for Silverstone next week. I feel like it's gonna be a me too. I, half of me wants to say that Mercedes is gonna come out and win that race, but then the other half of me is like, this technical directive just doesn't seem like it's gonna help them. I don't know. So No, that's what I'm leaning towards as well. I just don't think it's going to help them that much, especially with all their porpoising. And just like the car still, I don't have shown, hasn't shown race winning pace this year. Like I know there was a little bit of a talk of it um, at Canada where mm-hmm. like when they were like restarting, it was like, oh, like watch out for Lewis's pace or whatever. But like you mm-hmm. can't really keep up with them. Like I, I, I just don't think like the Mercedes has shown close enough to race winning pace this year that I'm overly concerned with that being a possibility. Yeah. And done. Every team, by the way, seems to tell their driver, "You are the fastest man on track, man." If we just go, I know. If, we, if we get you, we get the car in the right spot or whatever, and it's like, no, Max was the fastest guy on track. You finished. First. Yeah, 
but um, objectively so. That, another thing too to think about is even since I've been watching Formula One, the F the FIA's kind of done this before. When do you remember the first season we started watching F one in twenty twenty? When they like supposedly when they banned Mercedes using supposed like party engine modes for qualifying, and yep. that was just a blatant like they're just trying to clip Mercedes wings to try to make the the rules faster. It's kind of mid season rule change. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I feel like that was kind of a precedent actually. Another yeah. thing too was apparently the Netflix crew made it into the team principals meeting after this directive was released. Really? So that's gonna be. Oh, I hope I'm excited for that. It's gonna be I'm some so awesome, awesome footage. I hope they get more of that. Porter oh, said, "Absolutely, give me great TV." He said there was an element of theater because Netflix's crew was in the room. <laughs> Total Wolf was kind of chastising all the other principals. I want to see that. Yeah, I want to see that too. Uh, Christian Horner. Horner, is, he's a singular character for sure. He is a singular. That is a way to describe it. He is a singular character. I want to um, ask one question for you though, a follow up. I love this. Yeah. Crofty uh-huh. grilled Christian Horner during a practice session at the Canadian GP mm-hmm. on a stance on the cost cap. Because Horner's been saying that the FIA's tentacle directive about bouncing is unfair because this is a problem that's in the team's control. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is like, the FIA technical directive is essentially saying this is an unforeseen consequence not in the team's control. But yeah. Horner is, is also simultaneously saying that the going over the cost cap is not under the team's control because they can't control prices. Crofty argued that his logic on these two basically is inconsistent. Uh, what are your takeaways on that? It is. Like, Christian Horner cares about Christian Horner at this yeah. point, I feel like, and Max Verstappen. Those are the only two people Christian Horner cares about. And so, like, he'll, like, fit his, like, argument to do, like, whatever it means. Like, yes, one, they're both clearly in the team's control, but, like, if you're, for, if from his perspective, you're going to argue that, like, oh, the one that benefits us isn't, but the one that doesn't benefit us is. And so that's just, yeah. like, it's spinning a narrative. It's nothing more than that. Yeah, I mean, for everything I can say about Christian Horner, he's a great PR guy for Red Bull. Like, <laughs> yeah. He's really good at spinning the stories. So, I mean, that's what, just what this is. And, like, regardless of whether it's in the team's control or not, like I said this before, if it helps driver health, then that's all that matters at the end of the day. Yeah. I feel like with the first technical directive. So, you know. Yeah. And I would also add that I believe it was Alpine, but teams have said, like, okay, we factored inflation into our budgets that it would happen. Mm-hmm. Or even maybe not this level, but you have to give yourself some wiggle room at some point. So, exactly. None of the small teams are complaining about this. It's only the big teams that consistently had been spending more money. So, a lot of money. You know? Exactly. No, I agree. I lost to Christian Horner, though. That's what I'll say about it. I think it's just, it's completely expected something he would say. Yeah. From Horner's perspective. But. The F1 analysts, yeah. by the way, are just, mm-hmm. I got to give them a shout out. Like, that's like Reese level da- Reese Davis level stuff right there. Grilling mm-hmm. like like when he grills the committee when Reese Davis grills the committee, and they do yeah. such a good job of bringing in the practice sessions. Are honestly they give you um they talk about really interesting talking points around the sport and like what mm-hmm. people are talking about that you don't hear in a race. So I love the practice mm-hmm. sessions actually. No, I think they're good too. It's good TV. It is. All right, we're gonna move in a little bit of a different direction then for our next segment. Um, been a lot of talk with engines recently. Ferrari engine appears to be unreliable, while the Mercedes engine, pretty lot reliable, but it's not as quick as Ferrari, it seems. So Jared, which engine would you rather have as a customer, a customer, and how do you think you would rank all of the four engines this year? Good question. I would, I would always pick making a fast car reliable than making a reliable car fast. And most team principals mm-hmm. seem to say this. If, if you look at Red Bull as the example this year, after round three in Australia, 
they already had three DNFs between their two Red Bull cars, right? Mm-hmm. So they were saying Leclerc could run away with this championship already because the Red Bull wasn't reliable. They've already fixed that. They fixed that in like three races, maybe even the mm-hmm. next race, honestly. So yeah. in contrast, look at Mercedes. Yes, they are reliable, but are they getting that much faster? Like They have incrementally gotten faster, but not at the same level as Red Bull got more reliable. So I would say I definitely would rather have the Ferrari engine right now because I'd rather... Well, I mean, if you're a customer, you don't have this, a say if you're a customer in like how to fix the engine, but it seems like it's generally easier to make an engine more reliable than faster, especially with the technical rules mm-hmm. already freezing engine development, essentially. There's apparently exemptions in there for reliability that you can still fix yeah. stuff. So it seems to be a lot easier to fix that. Um, it does, however, feel the narrative that Ferrari doesn't know how to develop a car throughout the season. That's kind of been the narrative mm-hmm. since they haven't won a championship in a while. So that'll be an interesting thing to watch going forward. Yeah. What do you think? No, I agree. No, I totally agree. And I think that, like, I have the exact same quote of it's easier to make a fast engine reliable than a reliable engine fast. Like, I think Horner himself said that when talking about it, comparing between Red Bull and Mercedes earlier in the year. And I totally agree. Yeah. I'll just run through my, my four rankings of the engines as well, yeah. I think, at this point. I have that written down. I think the Honda engine is obviously number one. I think that is an easy, easy number one. There were a few early season issues that you mentioned, but it's so good and Red Bull have been dominating everything as of late. So Honda engine number one. Two, I agree with you. I think Ferrari is better than Mercedes um, for the reason that it is just faster. And it's, again, it's easier to make it reliable. Mercedes, I mean, it's not a bad, and like, and it's been getting better as years gone on, but I just think that like it's clearly a step below the Honda engine, the Ferrari engine. And then the Renault engines, I think, pretty clearly last, too. Like, Alpine has put in some good performances this year with that engine, but I think it is very clearly a step below the others. I have the same rankings. I don't know if Alpine, or the Renault engine, like you said, is that far off, though. They've been really, a lot of times, they're really quick on the speed traps. Granted, mm-hmm. Mercedes seem to have figured something out, because even Williams is, like, some one of the fastest cars on the speed traps now, apparently. Yeah. I, and mm-hmm. I was looking at the, the speed traps for Canada, and I, I believe they were... Latifi was the second fastest driver on the speed trap, 339 kilometers an hour. So yeah. that's... And the first was Ferrari. So um, I thought that was actually interesting. But yeah, I, yeah, I agree is. with those rankings, too. I definitely... No, I mean, nobody nobody uses Renault engine other than the <laughs> Renault, Alpine, Alpine yeah. so... Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So, yeah, those are my rankings. Yeah. Alrighty. Let's move on then to our last kind of full segment here. Uh, I want to talk about Aston Martin a little bit, just a little bit. Mm-hmm. After after declaring Aston Martin dead in the water earlier this season, Lucas, the team's kind of gone on a little bit more impressive run of a form. Do you think like P4 is a legitimate target for, for uh, Aston Martin at this point or no? No, it's not even anywhere close. No? I don't think P4 is a legitimate target. We're, we're overreacting a bit to a few all-right races at this point. Okay, so first off, there are just too many good teams in front of them for them to realistically be P4 in any sense. Red Bull's clearly going to be number one this year. The fight for two, two and three is definitely going to be Ferrari and Mercedes in some order. I'm not 100% sure how it's going to be yet, but it'll be some order of Ferrari and Mercedes. That leaves fourth position. I think based on the current form, you have to give Alpine the edge. Uh, Alonso qualified P2 past weekend. Him and Ocon have been putting in really good performances in, around, in recent weeks. And I think despite Aston Martin's improvement, the car is just, like, better. Like, you don't see as much, like, Lance Stroll challenging those guys <laughs> at Canada or anything like that. I just don't think Aston Martin's drivers are really up to it at this point. I think... Oh. I don't. 
Stroll, I think, has a hard time getting the best out of the car, and Long has, unless it's raining. I know, like, Stroll is, <laughs> like, the king of the rain, but other than that, I think he has trouble getting the best out of the car. And I love Vettel, but I think he's just past it. Like, I just really just think he's past it at this point. And I just, I don't know. So, do I think fourth is a legitimate target again? No. I think they should be comfortable fighting for sixth. Whoa. Um, yeah. I think McLaren, despite some recent struggles, is still ahead of them. And we'll take five. So, yeah, my top five at this point, I think Red Bull. I'll give Ferrari the edge. Ferrari, Mercedes, uh, Alpine, McLaren. Um, and after that, I think they should be fighting with Alfa Romeo for six. But even there, I think Alfa has the edge. Because I think with Bottas at the wheel, I think in one of their cars, that's an advantage. So then maybe you go down to seven. Um, and that would be fighting with Alpha Atari, and I think, you know, that's maybe a more realistic target. But yeah, I don't think there's any way they finish higher than sixth this year. I, I'm not I'm not as as bullish on them as some people appear to be. I think they're fighting for P five, stretch goal P four, pre a very stretch goal for P four. But mm-hmm. I don't know, Vettel looked really good. He showed some really good flashes in the practice sessions. Then all of a sudden qualifying, I, I just still mm-hmm. don't really know what happened there. But it, even if it was raining, it was raining in FP3, and he was, he went pretty quick. Um, yeah. In qualifying, he doesn't even know what happened, or he didn't know at the time what happened there with the pace. And I don't mm. know they. I know they started off winless in their first three races, but now they score points in five of the last six races. They're getting some level of consistency. I know it's like tenth place a lot of the times. Yeah. But Vettel, Vettel, I think it's not going to be Lance Stroll carrying you. But Vettel, I, I I think in the second half of the season he gets a little bit more comfortable with the car. I mean, he missed the first two races because of COVID, right? He missed the first. Yeah, two. yeah, it was COVID. Mm-hmm. I think he's gonna get more comfortable with that car, and I'm I'm pretty excited to see what they can do. And they're copying they copied the best design right now, so who knows where that's gonna take? Yeah, them. I don't know, but like even look at Vettel's like last few like races. He was P12 at Canada, yeah. and at, at Baku he was P6, which it was good, good. And impressive. At Monaco he was P10. At Spain he was P11. At Miami he was. He didn't need DNF. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I'm not, like, overly confident that, like, those are, like, the type of performances that if you put in are going to take you to P4 overall in the constructors. It's a stretch goal, but I, I would not actually be shocked if they made it there. I'm not even joking. I would not be shocked. Okay. You going to book it? No, I'm not going to book it. I'm not comfortable. You're not going to book it? I, I will book that Carlos confident. wins a race this year. I'm booking that. Okay. I'll hold you to that. All right. I'll hold you to that. All right. Okay, we're going to end here with our flying lap slash lunch pail driver of the week, if you have one. Go ahead. I have a lot, actually, in this section. So, Lucas, we can just trade. We can just, like, trade. You do one, I do one, whatever. Until oh, for me, I just, my role I know is as the lunch pail driver of the there week. There you go. Okay, so give, I'm just, give I'm us prepared that, and there. then you can do your, your, your flying lap after that. Um, lunch pail driver of the week this week, Lewis Hamilton. All right. Uh, All right. I think Lewis has been really down on his luck this year, and it's been nice to see him fight through and get a podium at Canada. Um, especially because Canada was the center of his first Grand Prix win back in 2007. So it's a nice sort of serendipity moment. Uh, also nice that um, this was his first podium of the season that didn't result from a retirement right in front of him at the end of the race. Like he just <laughs> had a good, he just had a good drive. Yeah, he did this time. And I think he's like battled through so much, and he's talked about how difficult it has been. And like you know, he's won seven World Drivers Championships. So like. The, the levels to it are something. But, yeah, it's like he's been through a difficult comparative season for him this year. He has talked a lot about that, about the struggles. Um, Russell's been better than him in a lot of races, too. And I think it's just, like, takes some grit to fight through that after being on top for so long. And he just raced really well this past weekend and got a podium. So, for that reason, that grit, that determination, Lewis Hamilton's the Launchfield Driver of the Week. 
Yeah, I'll give that to him for sure. That's a good pick. Probably the best pick. Yeah. I can't think of a good one, a better one. So, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. I, I'm just going to go through Flying Lab, just some rapid fire stuff. First mm-hmm. off, some news we missed, essentially. We do this. We basically do news we miss at the end of the episode with Flying Lab. Mm-hmm. Gasly has signed with AlphaTori Alpha for 2023. Yep. So, no McLaren swap there, apparently, which is sad. I'm surprised but, about that, honestly. Yeah. I was surprised about that. But, I mean, if Ricardo is technically under contract, maybe we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. Um, interesting thing. The podium for the Canadian GP, it was Max, Carlos, and Lewis. The last time they shared the podium together was in Abu Dhabi, the, the title final, which I thought was kind of – or oh, the title finale last year, which I thought was kind of mm-hmm. interesting. And I also thought it was interesting is you could tell that Lewis and I, at least Lewis and Max still don't like each other because in the cool down room <laughs> after Lewis was just doing his own thing, like just like drying his hair or whatever. I don't know. And Carlos and Max, they look like best buds on the couch and Lewis like barely acknowledged them. He's kind of standing yep. off to himself. So I was like, okay, they definitely don't like each other. Yeah. Um, Helmet Marco also somehow gets quoted all the time. I see quotes about him all the time constantly he made constantly. A, it constantly yeah he made a joke that uh oh hamilton seemed to get out of the car fine in canada or whatever it's a lot easier when you're on the podium <laughs> Did you? uh he's Come he's on. really annoying he just and he gets quoted yeah. all the time it's crazy he likes to stir the pot he's quotable i mean like that's he, uh, i guess his thing yeah starts drama um other things people have said you don't need overtaking to have an exciting race i agree i thought the last like 15 laps were actually really exciting on their yeah, safety I car thought so too um okay another thing i wanted to talk about maybe we'll discuss this a little bit in depth later but the checo hype has kind of died down like i said mm-hmm. his race win at, at monaco happened at a track when you can't overtake and he had really good fortunate with pit strategies but then now when max and checo are like on the same strategy or whatever like max is gonna overtake him still which we saw in mm-hmm. baku so we're, yeah. we're cool. I'm cooling down on the checo hype a little bit <laughs> i i wish i didn't but i think i am as well yeah you know? I don't know. We'll see. Quick question I'll ask about Red Bull too. So so yeah. they let they, they said Checo in Baku, they said no fighting and he just let him by. Do you think Max mm-hmm. do you think there's ever a circumstance where Max would let Checo by via no. team orders? No. I agree. Absolutely. I don't not. Th- I can never I think see there's that no happening. situation. I think he would fight it to the death. Yeah. Unless he just was clearly outgunned or something. But mm-hmm. And he would never see himself as being clearly outgunned. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, did you see Alfa Romeo's livery at the, the Baku GP? They had, like, the Italian flag. Their their mm-hmm. rear wing was green. Like, the, yeah. they're, like, kind of the last third of the car. So sick. Yeah. So cool. I want I them to do it. that again. That was awesome. That's so cool. Do it for every race. I don't mind. Yeah. You know. They should. It's for the most nondescript team, I think, in F1. It'd be kind of cool. Mix yeah, they are kind of the have most nondescript livery. team. But I actually really like Batas and Guan Yu Zhou together. They they seem like a good so pairing. Too. Like I don't know, I just like them together. Yeah, I like them both a lot. Yeah, I mean, I say they're the most nondescript because they're not in Drive to Survive that much. They're it's not. They weren't in an introduction at all. to the sport. Yeah. yeah, I think there was the Giovinazzi one maybe a season or two ago, but like that's the extent to which they've been featured. You know. Yeah, I mean, so. Giovinazzi and Kimi were kind of boring in my opinion. Yeah. So. Uh, another thing, Baku. I think you said this too. It's a lesson for Monaco that you can have an exciting Saturday and Sunday, like mm-hmm. on a street track. It, um, yeah. Drivers were like they were on the absolute limit, glancing mm-hmm. walls and stuff. It was so fun to see. But that mm-hmm. Saturday doesn't have to be all the fun. You can ha- you can make a street track that can also be fun. So I hope Monaco figures something out. Takes note. Yep. Yeah. 
Um, let's see some other stuff I wanted to talk about. Uh, Haas kind of underperforming now is is sad to see. They got both cars into Q three and then finished pointless. Like Mick can't mm-hmm. catch a break right now. I want to yeah. see him score. Everybody wants to see him score his first F1 points soon. I know. I feel like it's going to happen eventually, but just like the long, slow build up to it is tough to watch. Yeah, it definitely is. And then last thing, I thought this was interesting, is that have you noticed that in post-race interviews in F1, they always say, we didn't have the pace, essentially like blaming the car for not being fast enough instead of I wasn't quick enough? Yeah. I mean, to their credit, I think the car is the most important part of how quick yeah it is to be fair though and as well they also almost always give credit to the engineers for when they win they always say yeah they just gave me a really good car today you know what i mean they're not Mm like oh yeah i outdrove the cars before you know not that they would ever say that but i think that's interesting they 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 always say like we just lacked the pace or whatever instead of "Eh, Mm -hmm. i just wasn't quick enough (laughs) yeah no i mean like to be fair to their credit i think they're right like there's only so much they can do with whatever car they're yeah no you're right so all right. Well, with that, we're going to wrap up. Thanks for listening to another episode of Pit Stop. Uh, while you're here, rate us five stars on whatever platform you're listening, whether it is Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or SoundCloud. We love the reviews. We love the feedback. So we can, you know, tailor our episodes a little more to what people are wanting. Um, and make sure you keep listening. We'll see you next time.